Okay, um, good afternoon. This is Donna Wells. Um, I'm on the train. I'm headed to Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. I started this morning at Union Station in Washington, D.C. I've never been to Pittsburgh before, so I just want to talk about the train trip. I'm from Texas. I'm a Longhorn. Um, my last name is Wells, W-E-L-L-E-S. Uh, my hometown is Austin, Texas. So I have... I used to live in Los Angeles. Um, I have spent so much time driving around the American Southwest. I've driven between Austin and California several times. I've driven from Texas to New Mexico. Um, just a lot. I have a lot of experience driving around Texas highways. And um, Interstate 10 runs from, uh, you know, it's a really long road, but at least it also runs between San Antonio and um, Santa Monica and Los Angeles. So I've driven, you know, you could just get on I-10 in San Antonio, um, drive west until you get the Pacific Ocean. So um, I just want to briefly describe kind of what I'm seeing here on the train. Um so from Washington, it's two hours north to Philadelphia on, on the train. And then I switched trains, and now I'm going directly from Philadelphia to Pittsburgh. Um, Pit Pennsylvania, that, it's got to be a pretty hard place to live. There is a lot of farmland, and there are rivers. I've seen some pretty large houses. Um... Penn State is north, so I won't actually take the train through the Penn State campus. I've passed through Harrisburg, Pennsylvania. That's a famous city. Um, it would be Pennsylvania's got to be a really hard place to live. Um, there's some balance in it because. Philadelphia and Pittsburgh would be so fun and exciting. Um, it, I think the land in Pennsylvania, it seems to be a giant rural, it, it's kind of a huge, Pennsylvania seems pretty huge. It's kind of a big, huge rural area other than those two cities. Harrisburg's really a small town. So in Texas, we have Dallas, Houston, Austin, San Antonio, and El Paso. You know, those are, you know, I just listed, you know, Houston's the fourth biggest. You know, in Texas, there's big, huge cities. Dallas is so fun. Houston's so fun. You know, Austin's the capital. San Antonio and then El Paso. Um, it would be really hard to live in Pennsylvania because it's like um, t today my train trip will take 10 hours but I think it's 8 hours by train between Philadelphia and Pittsburgh. So kind of everybody in Pennsylvania lives in some kind of a rural area. I think it'd be hard to live there. Um, it's, a, it's a real dichotomy in the sense of how miserable that would be 
to be out in these rural areas and how fun those cities would be. It would be so fun to live in Philadelphia. It would be so fun to live in Pittsburgh. I think it'd be so miserable to live in the rest of the states. Um, and, and then there's Penn State, which is halfway between the two and then north. So Penn State's out in the middle of nowhere. Um, my conclusions, I'm just going to repeat here. Pennsylvania is pretty huge. Um, I think it's eight or nine hours by train between Philly and Pittsburgh. Philadelphia is on the East Coast and Pittsburgh is toward Ohio. Other than those two cities, every inch of it is rural. Um, you know, there are rivers. It's a big rectangle. Everything is a rural area other than those two cities. It would be so fun to live in those cities. It would be so hard to live out in these rural areas. Um, kind of for nothing would I live out in these rural parts of Pennsylvania. Um, but I would really like to live in those cities. You know, when I get to Pittsburgh, it'll be my first time there. You know, I'll see what, what's, what's there when I get there. Um, the, the, what's remarkable to me is how big the state is that there are just two cities, there's all these rural areas, and how miserable the rest of the state is other than those two cities. So this is Donna Wells. Have a really great day. Hi, good evening. Uh, this is Donna Wells. I'm in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. Um, it is March 17th, 2021. I treated myself, this is the first time in my life I've ever been to Pittsburgh. Um, it's a real treat. Um, I live in Washington, D.C. now. Um, I think I just want to talk a little bit about different cities. Um, I grew up in Austin, Texas. Austin's my hometown. I'm a Longhorn. I went to UT Austin. Um, my dad was born in New York City, born Henry Wells, New York City, 1956. Um, for a living, my dad worked for the Texas state government. And so every minute we were in Austin, Texas, just conceptually, you know, his job was that he worked, he was, he retired a rate for analyst. um, working for the Texas state government. Um, meaning that for a living, he was an economist and he um, audited, you know, tax revenue. But, you know, just in terms of what that meant for me, it did mean kind of every minute we were exactly in Austin, Texas. <laughs> um, and then I ended up going to college at UT Austin, which of course, you know, was a great time, but, um, you know, what was any of that hard? That was hard. It really was hard. I thought it was hard. Uh, you know, is, is it hard to live in Texas? Uh, the, it's hot. 
and and the land is hard to live on um it's far away um you know we live there they still live there my parents still live in that same house um just you know if is it hard would it be hard for anyone to live in austin texas I had a really hard time. I thought it was hard to live there. Um, and then I ended up going to college at UT Austin. <laughs> um, why is it hard to live there? Um, you know, my dad, he went to Pelham High School in Pelham, New York. His dad had worked for Time Incorporated. Um... You know, we were just at Austin every minute for years and years and years. So, you know, to describe what that was like, I had a hard time. I thought that was hard. Um, so I, I now live in Washington. I went to graduate school at Georgia Tech in Atlanta. Uh, but I, I've lived in Washington since 2013. It's now 2021, so... You know, that's seven and eight years now. Um, I rarely, if ever, leave Washington. I, I go to Baltimore, but that's um, an hour away by commuter train. I often go to Baltimore. Um, but just kind of like my dad hardly ever left or leaves Austin, I kind of never leave Washington. I work there, you know, why don't I leave? Um, you know, I, I think as my dad did, in some sense of the laws of the jungle, um, that, you know, if, if you leave, you know, conceptually won't someone take your job and house? You know, is that true? Just, you know, the laws of the jungle of, you know, this world. Um, you know, why didn't we leave Austin very much? Um, because my dad worked for the Texas state government and you just got to think that, you know, somebody would take his job and house if he left. That's how I am about Washington. Why don't I hardly ever leave Washington? I assume somebody will take my apartment, my job. Um, you know, the laws of the jungle, they probably will. Uh, you know, I, I, I'm here for two nights, a total of three days. Um, I think the the message I have with this particular podcast is this has been a real reframe for me because it's like, um, you know, is it hard to live in Washington? Um, Pittsburgh, I've just been here a couple hours, um, but, you know, Pittsburgh is like some kind of a paradise. Um... Pittsburgh is something like a paradise. Um, you know, if, if, if someone is able to live in downtown Pittsburgh, um, the, the, the streets are so clean. You know, to describe it, I kind of can't, but it's, it's just my own sense of it. Um, I think Pittsburgh is kind of like paradise. I thought similar things about Atlanta. Um, 
I guess I just want to end here by by reflecting on I really hardly do ever leave Washington DC. I often go to Baltimore, but but that's an hour away by commuter train. Um and it's for the same reasons my dad never did still doesn't leave Austin because it's a sense that someone will take his job in house. I just think that's probably true. Um, you know, everybody wants every, you know, there's, you know, how competitive is this world? It's very competitive. Um, Pittsburgh is, I think it's like a paradise. I think Pittsburgh is like a paradise. Um, you know, I don't know. I'm just, I'm 37. I'll be 38 this year. Um, I, I don't foresee myself ever leaving Washington. Um, but, you know, um, Pittsburgh is a really, really nice city. Pittsburgh is a really, really nice city. Uh, you know, if you, you just almost wish you did have a lot of different lives to live. Um, anyway, so that's all I have to say about that. I think, I, I think I'm just reflecting on all those years I lived in Austin, Texas, um, and why we didn't leave because of my dad's job. Um, you know, now I've been in Washington seven and eight years. I never leave. It's because of my job. Um, you know, I, anyway, I, I think Pittsburgh's kind of like a paradise. It's a really, really nice city. Um, so this is Donna Wells here in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. Have a really great day. Okay, good afternoon. Uh, this is Donna Wells. I'm in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. Um, I'm treating myself to this really cool short trip here to Pittsburgh. I've always wanted to come here. This is my first time here, so it's a real treat. Um, but my train leaves back to Washington early tomorrow morning. Um, so I want to talk a little bit about... Um, St. Petersburg and the Baltic states. Um, when I was in college, I, I studied in St. Petersburg. I'm from Texas. Um, I went to UT Austin. I'm a Longhorn. Um, but for my senior year of college, I studied in St. Petersburg. And I studied at St. Petersburg State Polytechnic Institute which is where Mendeleev studied. Um, so specifically today I want to talk about um, a short trip I took to Estonia um, while I was in St. Petersburg. Um, conceptually, you know, if you were studying in St. Petersburg for a year, what traveling would you do? Um... I ended up taking the train um, through Russia. I went to Mongolia. I went all the way to Mongolia on the train. Um, additionally, I I went to Estonia, and then I I took a I took another trip. I went to Finland, and then I flew um, and went to Amsterdam and Venice because I don't know about because, but you know, the nature of the city of St. Petersburg 
it is a canal city. Um, and so I was able to see both Venice and Amsterdam. Those are also canal cities. Um, so St. Petersburg, Venice, and Amsterdam um, are canal cities. And while I was studying St. Petersburg, I was able to visit both Amsterdam and Venice. So I've seen all three of those cities in in the sense that I you know I I can I I have seen the canals in Venice, Amsterdam, and Saint Petersburg. But it just gets back to this question, you know, rhetorically, if you were studying in Saint Petersburg for a year, you know, if you did any traveling, where would you go? Um, that is where I went. I, first thing I did is I took the train through Russia um, all the way to Mongolia. I, I saw the canal cities. And then I also went to Estonia. Estonia is the other place I went. Um, so let me talk about this trip to Estonia. Um, so from St. Petersburg, you can get to Tallinn. And it is an eight-hour um, bus trip or so from St. Petersburg to Thailand. Thailand is the capital of Estonia. So there are three Baltic states. Estonia, Latvia, and Lithuania. What are the Baltic states? Estonia, Latvia, and Lithuania. And the capitals of those states are Tallinn, Riga, and Vilnius. Riga, Latvia, and Vilnius, Lithuania. So Tallinn, Estonia, Riga, Latvia, and Vilnius, Lithuania. Those are the Baltic states. I have been to one of the Baltic states and that's the one that's the closest to St. Petersburg. And exactly, I took the bus to Thailand from St. Petersburg, um, which is about eight hours each way. Um, it's kind, kinds of these podcasts aren't a lot of fun for me because it ends up being like specifics about geography. Um, you know, but I, I feel, you know, inclined... Um, you know, the Baltic states are Estonia, Latvia, Lithuania. The canal cities are St. Petersburg, Venice, and Amsterdam. I took the bus to Thailand from St. Petersburg, which takes about eight hours. Um, so, um, you know, what would I say about what's Thailand like? Um... It, Thailand, you know, that is kind of its own probably lengthy podcast. You know, if anyone has been to Thailand, how would you describe Thailand? Um, it, the Estonians um, resemble people from Finland. Um, uh, 
kind of what comes to mind is Santa Claus and the Elves. It's kind of like Santa Claus and the Elves. Um, you know, the, the real Santa might be people in Finland because they heard reindeer. Um, that's, it's possible that Santa Claus, um, are people in Finland because they heard reindeer. Um, but that's kind of what Estonians look like. They kind of look like Santa Claus and the elves. Um, there, are, these are political statements people could make about the Baltic states. Um, yeah, I think I've been inclined to side with the Russians in most of those disputes. Um, you know, the Baltic states are often contested. Um, you know, how can we describe the people of Thailand and the people of Estonia? Do they resemble Santa Claus and the elves? Um, you know, if they do, what does that mean? Um, they, they drink apple cider and they wear bright colors. Um, there are castles there. Um, of course, gin comes from Estonia. The Estonians make a specific kind of gin. Um, so, just, you know, kind of getting back to this kind of academia description of Estonia, um, kind of what Estonia is, is known for in the modern age is... You know, is it clear who is who? If there's a Russian and an Estonian, how can you tell which one's which? Um, the Estonian is wearing bright colors, and they're drinking apple cider. Um, the Russian is wearing black, and he's drinking tea or vodka. Um, clearly, of course, the Russian is speaking Russian. <laughs> Um, Estonians speak Estonian. What language do they speak in Estonia? They speak Estonian there. Um, you know, I don't speak Estonian. Uh, my, my degree is in Russian. Um, you know, just what what does anybody have to say about? I hope I'm being made. You know, my making myself clear here. Um, what does anybody have to say about the Estonians and Thailand? They do resemble Santa Claus and the elves. Um, there are people in Finland that herd reindeer. They wear bright colors. They drink apple cider. Um, when I came back to St. Petersburg, um, I went to when I was just on my way back to my apartment from the bus stop, I stopped because I wanted to get a piece of pizza. And um, where it was in the middle of the day, where I normally went to get a piece of pizza, was oddly closed. 
Um, and there was these two, you know, men standing in the in the pizza place. And I opened the door, and they were like, "Well, we're closed today." Um, you know, there's nothing at the time I could do about that. You know, I went back a different day. They were open, so. Um, anyway, this is Donna Wells here in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. Have a really great day. Okay, uh, this is Donna Wells here in Washington, D.C. So, I just want to really fast, um, it's Sunday, March 21st, 2021. I just want, I want to give, just for history's sake, what happened. There is a golf, it's about golf. It is about golf. So, just a fun fact about me is that my uncle, my mom's brother, um, he was in the United States Air Force, but then he went to graduate school at Michigan State, and he has, he got a degree in, in architecture from Michigan State, and exactly golf course architecture. Um, you know, does anybody play golf? Um, my uncle for a living is a professional golf course. Yeah, of course he is retired, but, you know, in terms of formal education, my, my uncle, he really does have a graduate degree from Michigan State in golf course architecture. You know, any, anybody's credentials in anything. I want to, you know, just who knows about what. You know, people can be groundskeepers. You know, Major League Baseball is groundskeepers. You know, the statisticians who makes the, the, the baseball bat. Um, of course, my uncle also plays golf. But, um... Just that there's for that as a point of reference here. You know, if if anybody knows anything about anything, you know, and does anybody know something about golf? Um, you know, and another example, maybe somebody grew up next to a golf course. Um, you know, Texas has a golf team. Sometimes the Texas golf team wins. Um, okay, so. I just want it for history's sake. What exactly what happened is this. Um, Tiger Woods. I'm pretty sure Tiger Woods is Stanford. I'm a Longhorn. I'm a TT Austin. Austin, Texas, my hometown. Golf Smith also happens to be headquartered in Austin, Texas. Um, Golf Smith's probably. Might be the world's biggest golf equipment manufacturer. That headquarters, I could probably, it'd be a long walk, but I could, you know, it's a 10 minute, 15 minute drive from my childhood home. In the world, Golfsmith is headquartered about 10 minutes from my childhood home in Austin, Texas. That's, you know, just different facts you know, the evidence, anybody's credentials. Um, it is true that Golfsmith is headquartered in Austin. 
It's definitely that headquarters of Stanford. Right. Um, yeah, as I said, sometimes the Texas golf team does win the national championship. So, just what exactly what happened is this. Fuzzy Zeller is a, is a famous golfer. He made some comment that Tiger ate collard greens. That's the end of the story. You know, exactly what food Fuzzy Zeller said, I think I don't exactly remember. But it was some food that often black people might eat. I'm sure I eat that food, too. You know, I eat collard greens. You know, I'll eat fried... You know, I don't eat fried chicken. Of course I do. Um... But the comment was, the golfer was Fuzzy Ziller, said, so everybody could hear him, that Tiger Woods ate, it was collard greens or something like that. That is the end of the story. And then everybody in the golf war- world went like nuts because Fuzzy Zeller should have said that. <laughs> so, you know, any, everybody can have an opinion about Tiger and Stanford and Fuzzy Zeller. <laughs> you know, should Fuzzy Zeller not have said that? Um, that is what happened. That is the end of the story. You just... One day, what happened is that Fuzzy Zeller said Tiger eats collard greens. <laughs> so, this is Donna Wells here in Washington, D.C. Have a really great day. Okay, uh, this is Donna Wells here in Washington, D.C. Uh, just a short podcast. So, my last name is Wells, W-E-L-L-E-S. I'm from Texas. I'm a Longhorn. I graduated from UT Austin uh, with a degree in Russian, Eastern European, and Eurasian Studies. I went to graduate school at Georgia Tech in Atlanta. I've been here in Washington since 2013. Um, so I just got off the subway and, you know, the adventures of Washington. So sitting next to me on the subway, there was a man. I'm 37. Um... So I graduated from Texas in, in 2005. I'm now 37. Um, so the, the per, who was sitting me on, next to me on the subway today? He was... I don't have a sense of how old he was. He might be my age. You know, if I'm 37, how old is he? Kind of my age. Maybe 40. Um, he had a, a... I guess a... It's not a necklace, but something you wear around your neck. I guess it's like a a badge, but you could just see the the. He is a man. He's not wearing a necklace, but I actually don't wear these. Um, 
uh, it was, you know, a kind of like a keychain, but you have, a, you know, you put a key card on it, and it said State Department on there. So he was wearing, he wasn't actually wearing a suit. Um, he was wearing dress slacks, you know, a, a button-up shirt, and and nice shoes. But you know, he didn't have, he might not have had a coat and tie on. So that's remarkable if the State Department thinks, you know, the suit means without coat and tie. Um, but I asked, you know, I was, I, a couple questions, but, you know, there's some precision in this. I, you know, I just am sitting next to him on the subway. Anybody can ask anybody. You know, he's wearing this keychain around his neck. Um, you know, I said, do you work for the State Department? And he said, yes. And what I, so here's the questions and responses. I asked, do you work for the State Department? He said, yes. What do you do for the State Department? He said he was an attorney. And I said, you know, sometimes you guys are U.S. attorneys. Are you a U.S. attorney? Meaning, you know, do you also work for the United States Department of Justice? He said, no, I'm not a U.S. attorney. And then I said, is, you know, do you have a client? Is the United States government your client? And he said, yes. And I said, you know, do you have a specific, you know, what do you advocate for? And he said he advises policymakers. So I'm just going to... One more time, all the questions. But I asked him where he went to law school. He said Georgetown. I asked him where he went to undergrad. He said Iowa. Um, Iowa, by the way, is in the Big 12. So, he, again, here are the questions. I just got off the subway. So, he's wearing something. It says State Department. I'm sitting next to him on the subway. Do you work for the State Department? Yes. What do you do for the State Department? I'm an attorney. Are you a U.S. attorney? No. Is the United States government your client? Um, he said yes to that one. And then I said, you know, what do you advocate for? He said he advises on policy matters. And I said, you know, is there a specific field of study you know, that you advocate, and he said no. Um, that was the end of the conversation. Remarkably, he is an attorney, kind of without a client. Um, he advises about policy. Um, you know, I just, I, I, it was kind of a joke, but it's true. Sometimes U.S. attorneys work for the State Department. Um, you know, I, I tell everybody that. It's not a small thing. Um, in office space, this comes up. What does the words U.S. attorney mean to you? Uh, U.S. attorney, that's big time. If, if, if somebody says to you, I'm a U.S. attorney, that's big time. That's federal time. That's like Fort Leavenworth. That's a big deal. Some of them go and work for the State Department. So I, I'm, I'm joking, kind of, but 
To say that a U.S. attorney does work for the State Department, they do. Right, he's different than them. It does come up in office space about, you know, the penitentiary. That's just, if, if people might not know that, that's just true about America. If somebody says to you, I'm a U.S. attorney, that's a big deal. That's not who this guy was. He is an attorney. He doesn't really advocate. He advises about policy. And he didn't say, you know, does he have a specialization? He went to Iowa and then Georgetown Law. So this is Donna Wells here in Washington, D.C. Have a really great day. Okay, good morning. This is Donna Wells here in Washington, D.C. It's Friday, March 26, 2021. Um, so I, I want to talk a little bit about regionalism. Um, I'm from Texas. Uh, my last name is Wells, W-E-L-L-E-S. I'm a Longhorn. So, um, I graduated Phi Beta Kappa from UT Austin with a degree in Russian studies. And let me just talk about UT Austin, um, as a place to go to college. So how Texas works is that often the classes are very large. So sometimes there'll be 300 people in a class. Um, you know, sometimes, you know, language classes will be smaller, you know, maybe 10 or 15 people. Sometimes maybe less than five people um, in a language class. But um, kind of, kind of all of the grades are exams about content. So, so for example, um, you know, a Russian class, the grade would be an exam and you would have to write out vocabulary words. They would check it for, you know, grammar, but of course you would have to remember the word and how to spell it. The exams are largely memory based. Do I remember this word? Do I remember how to spell it? And then do I remember the grammatical rule? Um, you know, for the, for example, I took a class in Roman history. That class had 300 students. Um, the exam is, you know, what is the this? What is the this? What is the this? That one had an essay component and you kind of needed to learn how to write the essay, but it, the whole essay is still, you know, describe this from beginning to end, I guess like a ship, you know, ship to, you know, port to stern or whatever. That is entirely what the grades are. Um, but let me point out though. So for example, somebody like me, um, you know, the Baltic states are Estonia, Latvia, Lithuania, that is Tallinn, Riga, Vilnius, you know, the Caucasus region is Armenia, Georgia, and Azerbaijan, it's Yerevan, Baku, and Tbilisi. But someone like me 
the New York Times will never publish my essay. Because I actually don't know how to... It's a skill people learn to write essays. Um, you know, I don't read the New York Times. I read the Washington Post. Is a good example. Uh, just what I'm, de what I'm describing is regionalism. So... At Texas, yes, I know what the Baltic states are. It's Estonia, Latvia, Lithuania. Uh, that means Thailand, Riga, Vilnius. Um, but the New York Times will never publish my op-ed, though. Because, but they don't know what the Baltic states are. Yeah, at Texas, we're sitting there. They're telling us what the Baltic states are. The, the grade is I've just been tested over this. It's factual information. List the Baltic states is the exam. These people, you know, on the East Coast here, the grades are writing these essays. Um, it seems to be mutually exclusive because I don't, you know, I, I kind of don't think the New York Times people know a lot about the Baltic states. They simply know how to write these essays. It's a specific skill they have. You know, like, you know, maybe it's like a high dive or, you know, it's something people can learn how to do is write these New York Times op-ed stuff. But, you know, if, if someone has just published a New York Times op-ed... Does he know the Baltic states? I know the Baltic states. They'll never publish my essay. They just published his essay. Does he know the Baltic states? So, this is Donna Wells here in Washington, D.C. Have a really great day. Okay, good afternoon. Uh, this is Donna Wells here in Bethesda, Maryland. It's Saturday, March 27th, 2021. So, um, what, I'm in Bethesda, so if, what does that mean to you, Bethesda? If somebody says to you, Bethesda, Maryland, what does that mean to you? Um, to me, it means, well, most recently it means Wade Rudy. Uh, this is where Wade Rudy lives while he played for DC United. He can't believe that. Uh, I'm from Texas. My last name is Wells, W-E-L-L-E-S. I'm a Longhorn. Wade Rudy is really famous in Texas. Um, and Texas is really far away from Manchester. I've never actually been to Manchester. Um, these last couple weeks I have been considering making a trip to Manchester. Of course I've been to London. Uh, I'm Episcopalian. My, you know, my uncle was a bishop of Kansas City. Edward Randolph Wells II was a bishop of Kansas City. I am today a member of the White House Church. Um, but j just, I think, reflecting on the earth and modern history, uh, I am today in Bethesda. Wayne Rooney did live in Bethesda when he played on the soccer team. I can't believe that. Uh, that's really amazing. Um, so, you know, I have never actually been to Manchester. Um, as I said, I, yes, of course, I have been to London. 
Um, I like to go to the tower. I always take the official tour of the tower. And I think I've learned that the people who give the tour, they might have been in, in the Royal Air Force. But um, I've taken that tour more than once. If I can, I always, when the plane lands at London, what do I do? I immediately go to the tower um, and then I go to Westminster Abbey in that order. Um, every time I can, I always take the official tour. That is really significant, um, you know, it's just in terms of the earth and, um, you know, this earth and, and the world in which we live and the life journey. Um, but yeah, you know, I've, I've, in my life I've never been to Manchester though. And so I'm, I'm thinking about maybe this summer taking a trip to Manchester. Um, but, you know, of course, Wayne Rooney played for Manchester United. Um, but yeah, I think that is my message. Today I am in Bethesda, Maryland. And I'm reflecting on... Wayne Rooney lived here for about a year and a half or so. And Wayne Rooney is so famous in Texas. And Texas is so far away from Manchester. Um, I've never been to Manchester. Um, I, I come to Bethesda probably two or three times a month, maybe. Um, but, you know, with me, you know, you, you and I can imagine Wayne Rooney walking along this very sidewalk. You just can't believe that. That's really amazing. So, this is Donna Wells here in Washington, D.C. Have a really great day. Okay, good afternoon. This is Donna Wells with Bethesda, Maryland today, but I live in Washington. Um, I want to talk a little bit about the hockey team. So my last name is Wells, W-E-L-L-E-S. I'm a Longhorn. I'm from Texas originally. Um, I The hockey team is probably my favorite thing. Uh, when I was little, we would drive to Dallas to go see the Stars play. Um, I lived in St. Petersburg. My degree is in Russian studies from Texas. So I studied St. Petersburg. When I was in St. Petersburg, I went and saw the St. Petersburg hockey team play. And I lived in Los Angeles. I went and saw the Kings play at the Staples Center. So the, the Los Angeles Kings play at the Staples Center. Um, so let's talk a little bit about our hockey team, though. Um, hockey's so fun. Everything about hockey is so fun. Um, it's probably the most fun thing, maybe. Hockey might be the most fun thing. Um, so let me just talk about the lineup. Um, there are, I think at least three or four, um, Russian players on the Washington Capitals. Of course, Alex Ovechkin is a left winger from Moscow. Additionally, there's Yevgeny Kuznetsov and Dmitry Orlov. There's another player, um, that is... Newer, um, a couple years ago, I went down 
several times to the practice facilities. Um, the other Russian players, um, he's gotten there since. He's Dmitry Orlov, Yevgeny Kuznetsov, and Alex Ovechkin have been on the team for several years now. There's an additional Russian player that's just been there maybe one or two years. I don't know as much about him. Um, so Alex, of course, is so famous. I really like Evgeny Kuznetsov a lot. Um, he scores a lot of goals. He's really famous. Additionally, Dmitry Orlov, he's really fun because um, occasionally he'll have kinds of a hard hit on some kinds of a French-Canadian player. Um, <laughs> so it, there can be Russian people who are like this. They're kinds of like cavemen or just you'll be watching a hockey game. And then kinds of out of nowhere, it will be Dmitry Orlov that is like, put some French-Canadian guy in the, into the, <laughs> into the, the glass. <laughs> so I, I enjoy, so of the Russians on the team, it's not Evgeny or Dmitry um, that are controversial. Uh, sometimes Alex is controversial. Um, well, for example, you know, this season, I think he's been fined and suspended. He's broken a couple rules this, this season. Um, but additionally, uh, my favorite player on the team is from Toronto. His name is Tom Wilson. He's a right winger, number 43. He was recruited out of the Toronto Youth Hockey League. And... I think he's got two brothers, maybe. Uh, I've never been to Toronto, but I'm definitely familiar with the baseball team, the Toronto Blue Jays. I think uh, Toronto is the only Canadian city with a baseball team. Um, I actually, I think I'm pretty sure that Tom Wilson has relatives in Chicago, even. So he's a really American-like Canadian. Toronto's already an American city, kind of, because of the baseball team. Toronto's also the headquarters of the Canadian Royal Mounties. So Tom Wilson, he might not, he might have relatives that are in the Mounties. Um, it's remarkable to me that Tom Wilson is from Toronto. That is a really famous city. Um, you know, by contrast, Montreal is a is a belligerent. I don't like the American cities. So Toronto is an American-friendly city. Montreal is a belligerent to the American city. Um, but yeah, that's kind of the update of the hockey team. The, the really likable ones are these Russian guys. And Tom Wilson, number 43, from Toronto. Um, additionally, T.J. Oshie is from near Seattle. He's from Everett, Washington. Um, I like him a lot, too. T.J. Oshie is from, he's not from Seattle, but he's from Everett, Washington, which I think is just north of Seattle. So this is Donna Wells here in Bethesda, Maryland. Have a really great day. 
Okay, uh, good morning. This is Donna Wells here in Washington, D.C. It's Palm Sunday. It's March 28th, 2021. Uh, so I'm on 14th Street, which is fun. Uh, of course, the White House is on 16th Street, so I'm two blocks east and up the hill. Um, so I want to talk about Washington. Um, I have been in Washington since graduate school. I went to graduate school at Atlanta at Georgia Tech. I arrived here um, in 2013. Kind of right when I got here, there was a movie that came out. It was called 71. The movie was called 71. And everybody should go see the movie. Um, that It was like seven years ago it came out, or eight years ago it came out. But if anybody can, do watch the movie. It is kind of a... It is an American-friendly movie because, to the American audience, how foreign are the Irish? That is the position of the movie. Why it's a great movie and why it's an American-friendly movie is because the, the whole point of the movie is how foreign are the Irish? Um, the, in the movie, the entire movie, there was a British Army officer. He might have been an infantryman, but uh, my last name is Wells, W-E-L-L-E-S. Um, in fact, about me, my relatives fought for England at the French and Indian War at the Battle of Quebec. Um, that was a long time ago. I think that was the 1750s. I'm sensitive to what might happen to a British soldier might happen to me and the American infantry. So just kind of establishing, you know, as the British and the Americans can, you know, are yes and no allies, often the same person shooting at us, right? You know, if it's three people, the Americans, the British, and the Germans, the Germans are shooting at both of us. You know, we may or may not get along, right? It, that is simply wisdom what does happen to the British is probably also happening to the Americans. So in the movie 71, and that's right when I first got here, the entire movie is set in Ireland in 1971. And a British army soldier was kidnapped by these weird Irish gangs and they tortured him. What does that mean to you? Uh, it does mean that there's real problems in Ireland. Um, so just um, briefly here, it's really famous about in modern history about the trade between Poland and Ireland. Um, there has been so much trade between Poland and Ireland. There's every kind of Polish joke. Um, you know, is Ireland, New Poland. So, you know, I think all eyes right now should be on the Gulf of Danzig. Um, and exactly, can we think about exactly what's been traded between Poland and Ireland this whole time? The whole time it's so famous, there's a lot of trade. Um, you know, is it perhaps very weird German weapons? might very weird German weapons have been traded between Poland and Ireland this whole time. 
But let's get back here to the movie 71. The movie is that a British soldier was kidnapped by these Irish gangs and tortured. The lesson in that is that the Irish are really foreign to the Americans. Um, in the movie, they captured and tortured a British soldier. Um, you know, that was a real warning to me. You know, if I ever go to Ireland, hopefully they don't kidnap and torture me. So, this is Donna Wells here in Washington, D.C. Have a really great day.